Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Carter comes up shooting. Welcome to Toronto Basketball Matters. Guys, we are finally back. We've been off for a couple weeks, but finally, we are back to some new NBA topics to discuss. Not the sort of monotonous conversations, the the forced takes we had a couple weeks ago, especially throughout the summer. No more divisional breakdowns. Guys, we actually have some basketball to watch, and with me are the usual suspects. To my left is Gregory Yeroshadisi, sport doctor himself. What up, T-Dot? And to my right, Christian Wolfgang Graf. And guys, let's get straight God, to it. going to be talking about basketball again. Oh, it's fantastic, man. Finally, some basketball. I, 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 the best offseason of all time. Listen, I think I pretend to enjoy baseball in all actuality. It sort of like just fills the void of, you know, just needing sports in general. So thank God basketball's back. And let's start it off. So uh, Toronto Raptors, four games uh, have been played so far in the preseason. They are currently 2-2. Two and two. two games in Hawaii against the LA Clippers, uh, taking the first game, losing the second. A loss to the Portland Trailblazers in Portland, but a big win in the Air Canada Center uh, against the D- Detroit Pistons. Guys, to start it off, what are your biggest takeaways this preseason? Um, well, first off, let me just say that it's glad to be back for season two. I never thought we'd get halfway into season one and it's a testament to Brandon Kajioka. Well, thank but you. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, I, so I've taken in the four preseason games because I'm a Raptors fanatic like that. And, uh, mixed, I have mixed feelings. There's a lot of uncertainty given the youth. There's, I mean, they, the thing is they've done a 180 in their playing style. It's not a very nuanced approach. They're chucking up three-pointers like they're the Houston Rockets at an awful percentage. And it's not that I'm not in favor of shooting the three because that's an important part of the modern NBA. But you have to have players on your team that can make those shots or else you're just giving up fast breaks the other way. That being said, there's a lot, I think, to be optimistic about particularly the play of the front court. They've played very well. JV has looked great. Ibaka's looked pretty good. Norman Powell looks good. Obviously, our backcourt is one of the best backcourts in the league. But I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm looking forward uh, to, to the Raptors uh, challenging for the East Crown this year, actually. Yeah, and more spe- I mean, just to look at the one la- the last game of the Pistons specifically, um, I mean, I, th- I see DeMar getting seven assists. So he's distributing the ball. You're going to see that oh, yeah. a lot more the, this the year. The passing. You love it. Sorry. It's I didn't, great. Absolutely. I love the passing. Uh, Valanciunas looks slimmer. He um, does. Quicker, more nimble. Exactly. But at the same time, it doesn't really look like he lost strength. No. Nope. So I, I, I really like that. He's, he, I mean, that's what he said. He's working on his footwork. And mm-hmm. then every single Twitter video that comes out from the Raptors is him shooting threes from a corner. So, I mean, we saw a couple things from him. So, anyways, I saw that takeaway from him. He, he looks different, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then CJ Miles. He had four assists, 19 points last night to C.J. Miles coming off the bench. You know, we kind of talked about this beforehand, but, you know, losing a guy like Terrence Ross and having a guy who can provide immediate offense, whether it be, you know, on the second unit or having a wing guy that, you know, is a very efficient three-point shooter is a great sort of addition and thing we sort of needed last year. And thank God we were able to grab him. Raptors fans love themselves a three-point shooter. 
Like, there's nothing better. You saw it even in the in the preseason game. The fans were going nuts. Yeah. He, how many did he yeah. hit in the end? It was five or six or so. He was great. Abaka was well, great he was shooting due. the three. He was due because they'd been stinking it up with the threes in the previous games. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and that's but that's the danger with relying on the three point shot. Uh, you know, you live and die by it. Um, on the note of of the passing, I love the ball movement. Yeah, I love it, and and I like seeing DeRozan taking more shots at the rim. Mind you, I'm okay with him taking mid range shots. He's probably the only one I'm okay with because he can make them. But yep. I like the idea that they're trying to go in the paint or the three. Mind you, I don't like pull up three pointers if you're not a knockdown shooter, right? If if you don't if you don't have Clay Thompson or Steph Curry or Kevin Durant or the players that Houston has. You shouldn't necessarily be, be trying to imitate the way that they play just to keep your job, Dwayne Casey. Mind you, I will give that man the benefit of the doubt because he is a hard man. It seems like they gave four players the green light this so year to shoot the three. Uh, CJ Miles, uh, last, or sorry, yeah, the other night uh, against the Detroit Pistons, f- uh, five for eight from the three point mark. Also, Serge Ibaka, four from seven as well. Just kind of throw that out there. Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, they have four players, it seems like, who have the green light, so to speak. Lowry, Powell, Powell yeah. and, and I would say, obviously, C.J. Miles, but I would say they get, they're giving Serge Ibaka the green light to shoot a three if he's yeah. wide open. Yeah. Uh, even yeah. a little contested. So you know we saw making, the good last night of it, though. Hey, the they're first running three. the offense through JV. They're dumping it in, or they're yeah. playing it to him, and he's uh, passing the ball off and setting screens. He had four assists in one of those. He's never had four assists in his career. Right, and he's getting more open looks. If you look at his percentage for the preseason, he's shooting like like eighty percent because the ball is moving more, and he's able to get the ball and finish in the, in the paint. So, going with Jonas Valanciunas, I guess the next question I'll ask you guys is, you know, you know, Jonas, one of the more polarizing players on the Toronto Raptors organization, one of the more vilified guys on the team. You know, obviously his contract um, and what he's been able to do the last few seasons. He's not a lot vilified. Of Vilified it, is a strong. I know what you mean, though. So, so if if Toronto Raptors fans are going to yeah. point their frustrations at one specific player on the team, yeah. it most likely on the trade would block be Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah. It was Jonas. Anyway, so so with Jonas Valanciunas, and you're right, he's played fantastic basketball in the preseason. But could the you know, considering his contract as well, is the improved play of Pascal Siakam and Jakob Pertl, for example, make Jonas Valanciunas expendable? Graffin, what are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, well, Jakob Pertl looked great to me, but I mean, at the same time, he, Jonas Valanciunas is one of those players, as much as I rag on him, he, he is very valuable to this Raptors team. You can see he's almost, I mean, some games he's kind of the X factor a lot of the time. Yes. If he plays yes. well yes. Um, and he sets the screens, if he has a game where he goes 20 and 10, the yeah. Raptors, I yeah. I mean, from not that I have the stat in front of me, but I feel like we always generally do well when whenever he, play, he yeah. plays well. I like that, that he, it's, you're right, you hit the nail on the head. The X factor, because if you trade him, let's just say, and you don't get back a player of his size and strength, like that's an advantage now that the Raptors, when you have a bigger center than the other team, a more dominant inside force, right? It gives you, you can go with a different look than the modern NBA, which is the pace and space, right? But uh, I don't know. We have to see how how Pirtle develops this year. His His offensive game is still limited. And look. There is a monster in our division called Joel Embiid. You need someone. Hey, you're finally recognizing him. <laughs> Hold on, I said it. I said it before. If he could stay healthy, we'll, we'll get to Joel well, Embiid. Let's keep, let's, let's keep the Raptors. No, but I mean that's why they can't trade him because you need someone that can bang with traditional centers at least. Or if you trade him, you need to get significantly better. I think so. I don't think he's expendable quite yet unless there's a nice offer. Those two haven't matured enough, or they could take over without getting something significant back. And it'll be hard to swap a center for a center and improve. I find unless we include something else. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? And then so we got Bebe. For, for if anything, I have a feeling the alternative here is switching a Baca to the five. And yeah. going with a small lineup, I feel like they're going to maybe get a bench, maybe a score, like yeah. someone like a six man that can help Powell out in the second unit, or CJ Miles, or something mm-hmm. like that, or even just some veteran stability. But again, then Vince what do you Carter. Do? <laughs> what do you do though when you play teams, right? Like Dwight, I mean Dwight Howard can still destroy you inside. Joel Embiid can and does destroy teams inside. You just need a body that can withstand his physicality, or else. Right, so you we we need to have. I mean, it's good that we have that option. So I wouldn't be so quick to say he's expendable, and he still has upside. 
He still has upside. He's still improving. We haven't seen his full potential yet. So we talked about the bigs, Pascal Siakam, Jakob Pertl, Serge Ibaka, and Jonas Valanciunas. Let's have a conversation about the guard play of the Toronto Raptors, mm -hmm. especially with depth. So last season, we lost P.J. Tucker, Patrick Patterson, Demari Carroll, and also Corey Joseph. Uh, our secondary unit is a little bit depleted, but there have been a couple uh, great signs, especially the play in the preseason mm -hmm. of Fred Van Vliet, as well as DeLon Wright. Guys, who is going to be the backup point guard behind Kyle Lowry? And can Fred Van Vliet and DeLon Wright coexist in the backcourt facilitating the offense on the second unit? Graf, what do you think? It's tough because DeLon Wright, for me, just has that defensive intangibles. He has the length. He's like the modern-day point guard. He's very disruptive. And he? Exactly. You, you saw it last night. He can even finish coming down the floor. He's quick. Um, yeah. Honestly, it's tough from a... As much as a Van Vliet fan as I am, because honestly, on the offensive end, he looks like a smaller version of Kyle Lowry out there. He's a very complete he, player. Yes, and honestly, with, with him playing and Lowry as well, I feel like the Raptors will always be pushing the ball. Yeah. Well, Constantly right. pushing the pace. Uh, it'll be t with, with DeLon right there, it's slowed down a bit. He's a very safe player to have you know, in your second year unit. You know what I mean? He's not going to be a guy who's ever going to put up 20 and 10, but he's going to be stable, like a stable presence uh, as a backup point guard same, within the same sort of mold as Corey Joseph without the massive contract as well. Yeah, and if he's out there, again, with someone like uh, Norman Powell and, I don't know, the second unit like, of the Raptors, so yeah. to speak, you're going to need someone who's good at defense. Yeah, I look, they drafted him. I mean, you can see the the um, what we've done is similar to what Milwaukee's done. Length, athleticism, right? The modern NBA defensive unit. Mm -hmm. When you put DeLon Wright next to... Let's just say you put Norman Powell as a shooting guard, and then my man, who we haven't talked about, the rookie, OG. I don't know. It'll be first game last night. How have we not talked about OG? Those are long <laughs> players, man. Like, those are great athletes. Those are some short shorts. Yeah. Well, you know, hey, man, he's bringing it back. I like it. My girlfriend likes it. She's watching. I like the short shorts. In an old school John Stockton style. So legs are massive. <laughs> well, we're talking about the, uh, the the rotation of the Raptors and obviously different moving parts involved, a completely different team. What what are your thoughts on the three position? Do you think Norman Powell is the most logical fit at the three position in the starting rotation? Or would it make more sense to put a guy like Norman Powell to be the primary offensive option on the second unit like and have him. like an assembly of like maybe depending on the matchup of a guy like CJ Miles who's gonna be an offensive option? So, you also bring in like maybe KJ McDaniels or OG Ananobi in more of a defensive situation. So, what Brandon, do you think that's the, the Raptors? What do you think the Raptors should do when it comes to a starting rotation? What is the most sound fit at the three position? That's the last question that um, Casey and his staff are are dealing with right now. Is is Norman Powell the starting three or is CJ Miles the starting three? Okay, because logic would dictate, you know, just just on paper. Okay, uh, Powell as a volume scorer makes more sense coming off the bench as a six in a six man role explosiveness and whatnot and miles is better uh because he spaces out the first unit right because then you can have demar as a cutter and you're surrounded by guys that can space it even jv can hit uh, an open jump shot right but <laughs> right the issue is in the preseason now when you put miles coming off the bench he exploded right and norman powell played better with the starting unit so Logic dictates that it should be Powell off the bench, but it's it hasn't really worked out so far in the preseason that way. We'll see. I think CJ Miles makes better sense with that first unit because he can't create his own shot as easy as Powell can. I agree fully. I mean, like you said, you have to stretch the floor so with the first unit, especially with DeMar DeRozan out there, especially since he's yeah. going to be more of a playmaker. Kyle Lowry's so crafty. He's going to be able to get him the ball when he drives yeah, and yeah. kicks all the time. I mean... Norman Powell being the sixth man is for me that that that's it's almost a no-brainer. Yeah, it, it's tough though, like you said, when you do that and they don't play as well, and all yeah. of a sudden you flip them and they look like they play better with the opposite unit. Mm. So for me, it might be one of those things where it's a game-to-game -game sort of decision. Since since the decision hasn't been made by Casey yet, and there's still what one more preseason game left, yeah. I think. I have a feeling this might be one of those things that it might flip-flop all year long. Yeah, Since there's yeah, nothing yeah. concrete and we're already at October 12th, uh, I mean, honestly, to me, uh, they're both great players. They're both going to do well throughout the year, I think. So unless unless either one of them gets injured, to me, it's going to be one of those things where I think they fight for the, for the job almost all year long. 
Which is good, right? Internal competition is a good thing. If only it could motivate Bruno. Bruno, where have you been, Bruno? I'm I'm done with Bruno. I'm I've not seen the same I've point seen as you right now. I've seen enough of Bruno in the preseason. I've seen him chucking enough threes. I've seen he's so young, but at this point, honestly, he's not that young. How old is he now? 22, 21. This guy's been in the league. Think, yeah. Hey, yeah, hey, he's been yeah. he's been there now. He, you know, we almost we started a whole D league team for this guy. OG is his replacement. If he doesn't get it together, OG's coming for his minutes. That kid You're is right. NBA ready. Bruno was he's already got his career, minutes. Man. Like, if he's not showing any glimmer of improvement now, then he's a lost cause, in my opinion. The guy hasn't made any, like, I just don't see any, I don't see any sense of urgency in him at all. And not to mention that, you know, we've talked about it before, but the shit that went on in Brazil with his national team he's getting got cocky. off. Like, what, he got cocky for St- what possible reason? He stopped working, you know? <laughs> he's let the fame get to his head. Well, it's no, because but- he's a... G League now, All Star. But can we <laughs> though? Can we agree? <laughs> can we agree that Borderline. in the one game that OG Ananobi has played, he looks NBA ready? That I mean, yep. he's just coming off an ACL tear. Yeah. Which again, so this whole injury is kind of baffling to me. Well, how can you have a timeline that's January that every single person, other team, sorry, is going in the is going off of in the draft, and somehow he gets better and it's October. 10th, willing to play in a game. Hey, you know, he probably really took his rehab seriously. You know, I had an ACL tear, and I didn't, and it took me longer to heal. Uh, right? So, uh, yeah, but how many teams do you think faster. there were that passed on him in the draft because of this time table? Oh, yeah. Because they didn't get to get him at the start and of the we season? Reap the benefits. And they would have, exactly. And so, we are the luckiest. Well, I'm telling but you, what this is, is it? the biggest steal. Well, we mentioned like, the Ringer mock drafts had him, you know, a couple of the guys had him in top 10. That's a great point. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people are kind of scared, um, especially with him kind of coming back and be able to sort of contribute immediately right off the cuff. Um, and getting a few games in preseason is huge for OG. Right? For sure. I mean, he was on a minutes restriction. I think he had 20 or maybe 18 minutes uh, last night. But other than those threes, uh, he can he can you know clean up the form a bit. Uh, he looked good on that dribble drive where he went with the left oh, hand yeah. underneath the oh, basket. It was beautiful. That no, was great. He's he, quick. He's very he's, quick. He is an NBA athlete in the same way that Wright is, but he's got a little more skill than Wright, and he's younger. Yep. The Raptors, with him, have a real gem. I've only seen the guy play for 10 minutes, and I know it. Yeah, right? he just you needs just confidence. That's all yeah. he needs. As oh, soon yeah, as he gets confidence and, ca- and get gets NBA rhythm, ready. Right? He'll get his rhythm. No. I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the season, he's starting at the three. Oh, that's a I bold really prediction. I wouldn't be surprised, man. You think going into the playoffs, the Raptors will have OG at the three? I think Dwayne Casey values players. that Because, look, the guy, he, he is someone you could put on like a LeBron, and he's going to give him problems, right? He's not polished I mean, I think that's a reach right now. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> the guy, I've, I've, There's something special about him. You know, Brandon called it. Brandon called it when they drafted him, and I looked up the clips of this kid, and I was, okay, well, we'll see when he gets in the NBA. See him next to NBA bodies? This guy is an elite-level athlete. He's going to fit in beautifully. Michael Jordan, LeBron James, OG Ananubi. <laughs> yeah, in that order. <laughs> All right, guys, so we kind of mentioned beforehand, um, massive contract. Uh, Zach Lowe of ESPN actually call it probably the most complicated, complex contract in the history right, of the NBA. Right. So we're talking about Joel Embiid's max contract he recently signed, I believe, yesterday or the day before. We're talking a five-year, $148 million contract. However, there's multiple caveats involved with the actual contract itself. This is speaking verbatim from Yahoo Sports. Um, Basically, here's how the contract works out. Across each of the final four seasons of the extension, ending with the 2022-23 season, the 76ers could waive Embiid for a financial benefit if he's lost because of contractually agreed-upon injury that caused him to miss 25 or more regular season games. If he plays fewer than 1,650 minutes, uh, league sources say. Like, a very interesting... I think we guys kind of know the the minutia of the contract itself. Graffin, what do you feel about this contract? Do you think the Philadelphia 76ers made the smart decision by locking him up immediately? Um, or should they have waited toward restricted free agency, kind of gauge his value, see what kind of offer sheets he gets, and sort of match those? Or do you think other teams in the NBA would offer him a max contract as an offer sheet player, based so, on his injury history? So I believe that the Philadelphia 76ers are... I, so first of all, I love the deal for them on their behalf. I mean, they worked. Colangelo worked with even I think the players' union to make sure that it was a fair deal for sort of everyone. But essentially, the deal is if Embiid gets injured in any of his previous injuries, which is his major things, his back and his knees, then the contract can be null and void essentially. 
um, with some other details in there. So I don't know. To me, if he injures his wrist, if he injures something else, it, it'll be not that major of an injury, we hope, I knock on wood. Mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah, this is his last year. I mean, people don't understand that this guy will be offered a max contract if he plays this season 60 games or 50 games even and looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Honestly, just the one preseason or two preseason games I've seen him in, um, the guy can do anything he wants on the court. Yep. Literally anything he wants, especially on the offensive end. Um, if he's if he's trying, and he's now he's starting to have fun out there too with Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz. He's he's trusted the process, and it's sort of coming to fruition now, I guess. And and to me, I think the 76ers save themselves about twelve million dollars a year because Curry gets, I think, four, the max contract right now is forty two million. So I think, I with think him, though, like his max was capped at the amount of. The years he's been in the NBA and yeah, so again there were restrictions. The only amount I of think money they get off from so right now with this contract, if he you know goes to the 148, it's about 30 million dollars a year, and I think that's for Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. You get that plus the guarantee that if he ever gets re-injured on the same injuries that he just had, you get it. All, you get all that money back. I'll take that contract any day of the year. Just throwing this out there quickly. Um, obviously, not similar players at all, but uh, we're going to talk about a, a big NBA center drafted pretty high who also had a very checkered uh, injury history. We talked Greg Oden, Oden, who within their first three years, Greg Oden played roughly 53, I believe 53 more games than Joel Embiid has played so far in his first three years. Just throwing that out there yeah. when it comes to the cause for injury and concern. Greg, where are you at right now with the Joel Embiid contract? Yeah, I mean, look, when he plays, he's a force. But when he plays, uh, big men have... Uh, seri- uh, have like you say, there's a long list of, of of big men that get these injuries, specifically issues with bones in their feet. Well, it's a lot of money to throw to somebody who you yeah, need to depend yeah. on on a nightly basis as well. Right? But again, yeah, they no, have and, that, and that's a good point. Right? Even if it's keep in not, mind the protection though, they have protection against his foot and his back. Yeah, but why are they playing paying insurance for that protection? No, like it was. I'm not sure how the contract works, but just in terms of signing him, yeah, it makes sense to a degree. But there's also a risk, right? Um, Put it this way. Let me let me ask. Do you think that if he played this year sixty games and does what he does, you know, maybe twenty and ten, we'll call it conservatively, yeah, yeah. Um, with five assists and three blocks, yeah, um, that he would not be offered a max contract next yeah, year? Yeah, no, he would. I mean, the the issue though is even this year, does he play? He hasn't got a full season under his belt. He right, and he tore his meniscus last year. Uh, injury. Look, injury prone players are injury prone players. Certain guys just seem to. Right, they just seem to get injured again and again. And once you have one injury, your body's all out of whack, and you try to push it. Like there, there is a risk associated with this. And if he, does, if he's not healthy, that process ain't worth shit, mind you. Ben Simmons. Oh, he's the well, best looking factor. Ben Simmons looks great. Still going with that though, you're talking about guys like Ben Simmons and also Markel Fultz, who might eventually, at some point in the next few years, be also max players. need to be a yeah. max players as well. Markel you know? Fultz looks like far from a max player right now. Hey, his shot. He's a bit broken. injured right now. That's why his, he has yeah, a bit of a shoulder shot injury. Is injured. Well, he's got a bit of a shoulder hey, injury. Ben that's why. Simmons. I hadn't seen him play. Ben. Finally. Simmons. Are you, so hold on play. a second. Now is this just a quick question? No, Philly. Not going to be good. Philly in the playoffs. Do you have them in the playoffs this year or no? Uh, probably not. Still. Okay, so six weeks ago you also said have, no. Just, We've gone from no to probably not. I like it. No, Progress. it's not that. <laughs> I mean, we 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 have to list out all 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 the teams again, right? Yeah, but, of course. Uh, like they're a few years away from being. Like Vegas has their odds mm-hmm. to win the ch- the title higher than than the Raptors' odds. I, does this? freaking respect right i'm not on board that train they haven't arrived yet right yeah. it's still hype let's go back to i the like hype. the contract go, though just because back to the philadelphia 76ers for one second so um we're talking about the evolution of basketball and teams sort of assembling their rosters to sort of replicate what the golden state warriors were able to do when it comes to space and floor as well as three-point shooting but also on the other side we saw a team like the oklahoma city thunder a couple years ago in the playoffs you know being able to sort of go against the grain of how modern NBA teams are structured and be able to compete with the Golden State Warriors purely based on athleticism, skill set, and obviously length as well. They should have beat them that year. So with the Philadelphia 76ers this year, Graf and I were kind of watching a few highlights before the podcast today, and we're talking about the sort of playmaking sort of... um, 
play between Joel and B oh, and Ben Simmons as yeah, well. Yeah, are, yeah. are we seeing a team right now that is sort of changing the narrative of how you structure an organization as opposed to being so adamant about space, people and shooting, and instead maybe I hope thinking so. a bit more about length and 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 you know like playmaking skills and other tangibles involved beyond the banality of three point shooting? Yeah, to me that's the next the next step in basketball, the next evolution. You see the Bucks even starting to do it, or it started to do it a while ago with you know with Greek Freak and Jabari Parker, Chris Middleton. They've got a lot of long, lengthy players. I mean, I think that's that the athletic. Defensive, yeah, that's yeah. the defensive evolution of the game. You're right, and, and and the Raptors are modern in that respect too. That's why we drafted Bruno, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I don't know if Philly because you have a six eleven point guard. <laughs> Uh, and 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 a massive center, and I don't know. They they sort of they don't. When you have talent, it doesn't matter what system, right? Like you have talent, you let the talent show, and you see how the pieces fit together, right? You don't you don't impose a style of play on a group of players. You let you let that come from the players that you have. Yeah, but, and you know, you know what? Like, so we're going to talk about the fantasy a little bit later, fantasy basketball. But I drafted Ben Simmons, and they have him down as a power forward, and. To me, it just – what that says to me about Philadelphia is that they're almost going to be five players out there that aren't really playing defined positions. Positionless. They're yeah. all going to be – exactly. They're all going to be sort of who knows who can bring the ball up the court, who knows who's going to be coming off a screen to shoot, mm-hmm. who knows who's going to be setting that screen. Yep. Like there's just so many plays that a defense now has to sort of be you know aware of and be mindful of yeah. that if they just get caught slipping one player, they can start isolating players to pick on. It just makes them that much more dangerous and – uh, again, I've been high on Philly for a while now, and I think this, like Brandon was saying, this sort of next step or this this positionless almost basketball is ideal for, for a championship-type team. I mean, you honestly even kind of see it with Golden State. No, I was going to say With that's Draymond Green, you see Kevin Durant bring up the ball, you see Clay Thompson bring up the ball. Yeah. Like, who, who knows? Yeah, but Joel right? Embiid ain't bringing up the ball. Like, they're going to have positions. I mean, the play <laughs> specifically we're talking about, though, Joel Embiid has the ball at the three-point line, and Ben Simmons is in the post. He's in the paint, He yeah, throws yeah, him yeah, the ball, yeah. and he dunks on another to, on, a, mm-hmm. on a power forward yeah. or something yeah, like no, that. Yeah, no, but I mean, so, but, you know, there's been... There's been uh, teams like remember Arvita Sabonis, remember that guy, yeah. right? Like like there's been right <laughs> right to. there's been those types of centers before, but I think you're you're right in that p- the positionless basketball. You know they say you have smalls, wings, and bigs, as opposed to the five positions. Mm-hmm. That's the way that coaches are kind of conceptualizing it now, and it's just like soccer actually, right? Like like it doesn't matter who's where as long as there's spacing. As long as there's spacing and movement and cutting and passing, it's so much harder for defenses to play you because you're not setting up the same way every time. Right? Well, you look at Houston, man. The two-headed dragon bringing that ball up. You never know who's going to take it and go. So we're talking about these sort of long, lanky, super athletic freaks of nature. We're talking Giannis Antetokounmpo. And we're obviously talking about Ben Simmons. Another guy thrown into the uh, the basket uh, is Kyle Kuzma, who has been putting up incredible numbers in the preseason for the Los Angeles Lakers. A late first round pick as well. I believe he's averaging 19 and five this season, or sorry, this preseason. Guys, I'm gonna keep it pretty simple right now. Who will have a more defining, better rookie season? Are we talking Kyle Kuzma or Alonzo Ball? And also, what is Kyle Kuzma's long-term potential? Is he a flash in the pan, sort of preseason monster, or is he someone that could eventually be an all-star talent in the NBA? So I so I propose this question as well because I really want I really want to to show that. Kyle Kuzma, I think, is the real deal. And again, shout out to my fantasy team. We have him on there as well. Our. <laughs> our, our fantasy team, yes. Uh, Brandon and mine. But uh, the Jesus Shuttlesworth. But Kyle Kuzma can do everything. He kind of is that long player. He's also quick. He can shoot a three. He can easily dunk on people. And from what I've seen from Lonzo Ball is a lot more hype than actually good play. I mean, he might just end up being, especially in his first year, I mean, he might be one of those players that takes a little bit longer to mature in the NBA than, than we originally thought, or than I originally thought at least. And for me, Kyle Kuzma is kind of coming out of nowhere, 
and he's 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 already caught just because of this preseason he's caught the attention of the LA fans and he's going to get a lot of minutes and he's going to challenge those players like Randall and I sort and, of I, I hate myself for saying this but I'm I'm going to go for it I know in previous podcasts I've been very vocally supportive of the D'Angelo Russell trade but looking at what Kyle Kuzma's done this preseason as well as in the summer league man the Lakers won that trade you're talking about getting Lopez plus the pick which should have to be Kyle Kuzma for D'Angelo Russell you know, Kyle Kuzma has looked absolutely incredible. Greg, what are your thoughts? And he was on so slept on too. Do you, do you think Kyle Kuzma will have a better rookie season than the man himself, Mr. Lonzo Ball? Who cares? The Lakers are going to be shit. <laughs> Didn't really uh, answer my question there, Greg. I like Lonzo Ball. I like Lonzo Ball. Um, again, I don't really believe in the Lakers hype yet per se. Uh, I, I like the way that Lonzo Ball plays the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen Kuzma. Yeah, he's he's a good scorer. I don't know what else he does, but he's a confident scorer. Like I, Magic Johnson was talking about him. He said he picked him because in the interview he said, I'm one of the best players in this draft, and I got slept on, and I just need a shot. So Magic gave him a shot. And right now he's, he's playing well, but, I mean, you know, against preseason talent or a summer league player, it's kind of, you know, it's the next level after summer league. We're going to see because – Yo, the Lakers are going to be playing tough teams in the West. They're going to get beat down. Sorry, Le- sorry, uh, LeVar Ball. Like, they're not making the playoffs. I mean, I'll tell you the reason why you should. I just don't think it's relevant yet. The reason why you should start paying attention to them now already is because next year they're going to be. Gonna next go year there? they're going to be good. Unless no. LeBron James goes there, they're not going to be good next year. Well, I've, I have a feeling, and I think Who we're going to touch on this later. But Brooke I, Lopez? I mean, Paul, they're going to get free agents next Who? year. There's a, it's a huge free agent class. Well, we don't they're know gonna yet. They're going to get someone. Yeah, but uh, they're going to get someone. Until they do, to me, the Lakers are still shit. Well, I feel like it's important to pay attention because when they do have to get people, it's going to be important to know who they should give up, where they might go, things like that, because they have some very, very promising young people. Speaking of shit, the New York Knicks also made <laughs> an interesting move uh, this offseason. We weren't able to touch base on it. Happened a couple weeks ago. I guess we'll have a discussion about it right now. The Oklahoma City Thunder, who brought in Paul George this offseason for literally 30 cents on dollar and some bonus and all the we were high on that we were high on that also managed to get the man himself uh mr soft body mr hoodie carmelo anthony from the new york knicks for a package <laughs> involving ennis Cantor and co guys what are your thoughts on this transaction does this make the oklahoma city thunder a championship contender this season how do they sort of fare in comparison to not only the golden state warriors but also the teams who improve this offseason i'm talking you know obviously the houston rockets um, you know, even like uh, you know, teams like the San Antonio Spurs. Where does Oklahoma City Thunder fit, and are they a championship contender with the inclusion of Carmelo Anthony joining this team? I think they're. Uh, you know, you, you, the king is the king until knocked off. So, so, so you give it to Golden State. But after Golden State, the most talented team in the NBA, I think, are the Thunder. Really, over the Houston Rocket. Yes, because their top two players can better create. I mean, James, James Harden. I mean, like structurally, structurally, you're talking. I, you're you know, talking about a big three versus. We're not uh, talking big three. I'm talking against one team in general. Okay. Like, what team is going to be better? I structurally? think. Okay, the Thunder played defense. Mm-hmm. The Houston, we don't know yet, right? Like, I, I Spurs getting slept on again. No, no, no. Well, uh, Kawhi's injured right now. You yeah, keep that in mind. And but, this is weird because I've never seen a San Antonio team like San Antonio sort of. Uh, ideology as an organization was, you know, uh, a grouping. You know what I mean? Like multiple guys all contribute to the, to the win. A unit. Exactly, were, exactly. Yeah. Sorry. And, and this is the first time I've seen in Spurs history for like probably since like the mid-90s where they are so dependent on one player. I don't think there's another team in the NBA that is so reliant on one single player to dictate results to the degree that San Antonio depends on Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, that's why I'm not big on San Antonio. You this never, year. but you I never know count it's a very the blasphemous thing to say. Exactly, it's blasphemous. Exactly, exactly. You don't. You know, the culture of winning, culture of success. Hey, man, they were up by 20 in Golden State before that injury happened, right? Like, to so they they still uh, have a claim to their position uh, uh, as the challenger, but the Rockets and the Thunder and don't sleep on the T Wolves. They're a little green, but man, they're they're talented. See, the reason why I say the Spurs is, is that next team as opposed to the, especially specifically the Thunder. I mean, I think it takes a long time. We saw it with, with a few of these super teams. The first year that they play together, it takes a while for them to build that championship sort of culture. Uh, when it comes to the playoffs and stuff, I don't know. To me, I see Golden State coming in first. I have the Thunder coming in fourth. 
which means in the second round, I don't know. To me, and then again, I have the Spurs facing the Rockets, so I have both Golden State and the Spurs still winning those rounds. To me, it's not yet. You you say the same thing about uh, why would I care about? I mean, obviously, I care about Houston and and the Thunder more, but as a championship contender, I have to see more of the season yet. It's, it's not. It's not even. They're yeah, not close a, to that's me. That's why I said from a. Ta- but when I'm looking that's at why talent, the Spurs to me are still hey, when I'm looking at, talent, at number two, like from a talent perspective, and I think that the pieces fit. Um, and the X factor is Russell Westbrook wants to beat the Warriors bad. The, he wants to beat them bad. Like there is some blood there, right? Uh, right, sorry, bad blood there. Like they, there is a an extra drive. And man, what I saw Russell Westbrook do last year, he he is a monster. I think. And Paul George is a beautiful compliment. And now you have a third scorer in Carmelo, and you have an amazing defensive presence on your team. Well, the funniest can, thing about this, they're like complete. This trade, though, they like, are complete. That I love about this trade, like Carmelo Anthony giving like one final fuck you to the New York Knicks, yeah. by saying he'll play the four position. Oh I yeah, absolutely hilarious. He's gonna have to be the third, the third scorer. Graphic so my question, yeah, I was gonna say if if you're gonna match those two up, right? Who's covering Durant? You gonna on put Thunder? Yeah, you gonna put Melo on Durant? Ro- Robinson, maybe, Robertson, maybe guard him. Yeah. There's no chance. That's Patrick what I'm saying. Patrick, it's yeah, like, who can guard, guard Kevin? Kevin Grant. No one can guard Kevin Durant, but he can contain him to a degree. Make no, it difficult. but that's what we're saying here, right? Is this 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 team at the level where they can be considered champions? You can guard Russell Westbrook on Golden State. Russell Westbrook makes Steph Curry eat his lunch, man. Like he takes his lunch money. Yeah, but they would again. They Curry can't guard him. Destro- again, they walked through the playoffs last year, Golden State. Yeah, beating but teams they didn't at have to that play a team OKC three-headed monster. So, uh, sorry, guys. The last, uh, the last topic we'll get to before we divulge into the world of fancy basketball is a highly contested, uh, talked about uh, issue with the NBA that we've mentioned a few times last year for the podcast, and that's the NBA resting policy. I'm reading a statement from the NBA website right now. Um, basically. Uh, quote for you here. Um, the Board of Governors voted to allow Commissioner Adam Silver to fine teams who violate the league's new guidelines about resting players. Teams can't sit healthy players for high-profile nationally televised games, and fines for violating that can be for at least $100,000. The rules also say that unless there are unusual circumstances, teams should not rest multiple healthy players for the same game or rest healthy players when playing on the road. Greg, do you think this adequately fixes the issue when it comes to resting policy? And do you think this is a fair uh, sort of policy to enact for the individualism of the basketball players as opposed to not really viewing them as a commodity, if that makes sense? Uh, well, there will always be a, a commodity. It's a capitalist basketball league. Look, but but no, the, the, the players won this. Mm-hmm. The players, by not playing, some of them, them and the coaches were protesting the multiple games. And now they've taken away the, multi, the, the back-to-backs. The players won. The NBA caved, and now you shouldn't see as many guys uh, resting. Mind you, it's not despite what ESPN says because they have you know a stake in it for financial reasons. The players need rest, especially when you're playing four games in in in, in five nights, and your career is based off your body, and you need time to recover. I don't think it's controversial to say that. That's what the sports science tells us. Uh, and that's what Adam Silver is referencing. Now, this, though, what he's saying here specifically regarding um, sitting players for the nationally televised games, because now they fixed the schedule such that it shouldn't be an issue anymore where, where, where they can say, oh, you know, we've been overplayed within short periods of time, mm-hmm. right? But, I mean, if I'm a coach, too, like, you could still use use some loopholes in gamesmanship, like, oh, you know, he can't play. He's got this ankle sprain. Prove Prove me otherwise. Like you, just, you know what I mean. Like, and you see it in in hockey too. They say, oh, you know, an undisclosed uh, lower, body, lower injury. body injury, right? You'll you'll still see it sometimes. But the yeah, LeBron and them got what they wanted. They got the back to backs reduced and all that stuff. So now theoretically, there shouldn't be the reason to rest as they were doing. Uh, and yeah, specifically for these for these nationally televised games, where me as a fan. Uh, I was disappointed not to have them play, but I was on the side of the players in that they were just kind of protesting 
Right, and I'm I'm glad that they that they got what they wanted. I still find it very confusing though that we still feel obligated as a league to still have an 82 game season, even in baseball, 162 Can't game mess season. Can't with the 82 games. Well, okay, I'll give you my, my confusion is like baseball, for example. You play 162 games entire season, and let's say you make it to the half wild the game card, you're sitting. One game, like one game, dictates your entire season. Why is there 82 games in the NBA season? Like, what 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 would be the detriment to have a 60 game season in Record. the NBA. Advertising. advertising. It's like, advertising, advertising revenue. Yeah. That's the only reason. I, I work in the industry. Advertising revenue dictates everything. The entire reason <laughs> the NBA salary cap did not go up this year is because the playoffs last year were too quick. So it's because the that, games though. were way too fast. Golden State swept through the playoffs mm. and, so did, and so did Cleveland. So you don't mm. think a decrease in the number of games will bring more attention to the game itself? Let's say instead no. of playing three games a week, we go down to two games a week and people will, you know, there'll be more viewers based on the lack a number of games as opposed to the oversaturation of the league. The old NFL game. model? Yeah, We're going to one game a week for 17 weeks? The, week. <laughs> no, the only way that works for me is we reduce the teams. So they've, <laughs> God and football. they've reduced the preseason games to allow for the longer schedule. I mean, what's your problem with the 82? 82 is the way it's always been. That's where the, the, like, but the record. Why? Because no, we're but they're on it now. Game season because it's tradition, and we've been doing it for a while. Even the, though we've had an issue with resting players because we have to play an 82 game season. No, but it's just about like, how they this allocate. This is the first time we've heard the problem of of players being too tired in the season as well. Don't forget, a lot of this had to do with the previous commissioner. When Adam Silver came in, what he did was he he stopped a rift between. Greg Popovich essentially and the NBA front office right like that's where the whole thing he was kind of doing it essentially to say screw you guys um and now that Adam Silver's there, like this new commissioner is a big reason why this is happening. They're basically just trying to collaborate. And I think you're going to see a lot less teams actually trying to, to sit players just to put a message to the league. And yeah, that's all no, the league is be, trying to do. But, but, but it's good that they got together and figured this out. I think regarding the 82 games, okay, the record is now... Yo, man, the old school guys don't want the games reduced because it messes with the record books. All right, guys, going down to the last segment of the day, we had a interesting fantasy mock draft last night. So I'll give you a little bit of a paint a little picture. I had to go out last night for a friend's birthday. So luckily enough, Christian Graffin was nice <laughs> enough to sit down and do a fantasy draft for me last night. We're talking about Christian and Brandon's team. No, this is a Toronto Sport Matters fantasy basketball team. So this is all three of our teams. The way I, I, was not, right now. I was not consulted we'll, in the we'll, draft. We'll give you waiver wire priority and stuff like yeah. that. So, <laughs> so uh, Waiver wire Greg. So we're going to spend the next maybe five, ten minutes kind of uh, dissecting the teams right now, the team itself right now. Um, I'll Say the pick. I'll talk about a few guys who were uh, available at the time. Graffin, you justify the pick. Greg, you agree with it? Or well, I'm excited to hear. There. I'm excited to hear the so, decisions so you made. So new segment. So again, this is the uh, the fancy basketball corner uh, sponsored by Diamond Pizza. No, we are not sponsored <laughs> by Diamond Pizza. I just uh, they make fantastic. But we are stuff. looking for sponsorships. So yes, please. yes, Diamond Pizza. You can pay us some poutine. Um, money, 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 money. All right. Money, so money. the number eight pick uh, for the Jesus Shuttleworths. Uh, the Jesus. Shuttleworths. Yes. I like the name the Flying Hellfish. The Flying Hellfish. Uh, so the Okay, maybe we might change it to the Flying Hellfish later in the season, but the number <laughs> eight pick. Okay, so guys, it's a first round. I'll give you the top eight before this. So number one was Giannis Antetokounmpo. Number two, James Harder. Number three, Kevin Durant. Number four, Russell Westbrook. Whoa. Oh, number five was a mess up because Tristan, our buddy Tristan, unfortunately had uh, wasn't present in the draft. I think and he it auto-chose? Yeah, it so auto-chose. John Collins at number five. What? <laughs> <laughs> number six, Anthony Davis. Number seven, Kawhi Leonard. And number eight went to us, and Graffin was able to grab LeBron James over players such as Steph Curry. Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, we're also talking Chris Paul, John Wall, uh, Rudy Gobert, etc. Stop. Graffin. Just stop. Just stop. It's this a great the best choice. Best choice. Pick ever. <laughs> LeBron's going to have a monster year. Why? Okay, so just a note. I don't understand why people would want to take would not want someone who averages, what, 26, 8, and 8, or 9, and 9 in a season with blocks, with steals, uh, because he's, he's on with a, a ton of minutes. He's on a complete team where he doesn't have to do everything. Oh, right? but look at his stats after every single no, year. No, no, you I can give him I the MVP every year he's ever no, played. But, but LeBron was number one back when he played on, like, Cleveland by himself, right? And he had to accumulate... Like, the ball was always in his hands, like like James Harden last year. Now James Harden's fantasy value will drop because he's beside Chris Paul. But and I think it's a great pick because he's, he's going to have a monster year. Well, James Harden, I mean, what about— He's going to have a fuck you year to Kyrie Irving. Just a quick thought from you on Greek Freak being number one. 
What are your yeah, thoughts on I that? Because again, much. do you know? I, again, it's all about fantasy. Fantasy right? is, like, is the most sound pick. Yes, yeah, because you're going like, across uh, the board. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Categories. You got no. Listen, where did he land last season? You got shooting efficiency. You got at least 22 points per game. You also have nine rebounds, six assists, two blocks, and a steal and a half. Where did he land though? In terms of of the most productive players last season, where was he? Number one, I was think. He num- was he that? I In think fantasy? he was, yeah. Great question. I d- I'm not okay. actually well, sure what the final The majority of mock drafts I did see with the NBA, every single mock draft did have Giannis as the number one player. I think selected. that's assuming that he improves, right? Assuming that it takes some, uh, that he continues, yeah, fair which is a fair assumption. Though, right? yeah. Look, and you'll I see it. Hesitant to you'll see it with person. my second pick here in the second round. Right, my so strategy is to go anyone who can get a triple double. I want on my team. All right, okay. so we'll go to the number two pick. So before players such as Joel Embiid, uh, Gordon Hayward, Kyle Lowry, CJ McCollum, Jimmy Butler, and Damian Lillard, Christian grabbed at the eighteenth or sorry, uh, seventeenth pick, Mr. Draymond Green. Yeah, I think it's a great pick. Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, Damian Lillard, Jimmy Butler were picked after. Gordon Hayward is the face of white privilege. No, that is Spencer Hawes. Okay, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Gordon. That's Kyle Korver. No, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Korver seems like like the Philip Rivers of like the NBA, where he has like eight children and like he's like super Lives Christian. It, yeah, and, like, he has like Veggie Tales, like playing twenty four seven is five. Um, so, so Draymond Green, okay. I love it. I love it. He's uh, blushing right now because it's true. What, yeah. what, what was your thought process with this? Because obviously Ooh, Kyrie, over Irving Kyrie is a sexy name uh, available. Why did you decide to pick Draymond over Kyrie? Over Kyrie? That's so for me. I've done fantasy basketball now for a few. A few years, and I've, uh, I, I'm proud to say I've taken home a few crowns as well. I've, I've been oh. the winner a few times. So, okay. again. Brush your shoulders off there. Uh, <laughs> as, a, as currently the leader in our fantasy football league and doing very well in our <laughs> fantasy hockey league. Yeah. That's uh, my frustration. Hold on. Let me give me one second, okay? I spend the entire goddamn offseason scouring stats, reading Re- Rondo World every single, every single goddamn day, basically, uh, mentioning that I'm in the same fantasy league as Graffin. And Graffin fucking two days before the fucking draft just like puts together this like fucking mock like <laughs> spreadsheet I don't know what the fuck it is and then somehow just drafts Spread- numbers don't lie whatever that's, that's stupid number honestly and I base everything on that so yes again like I said before triple doubles anyone who can get triple doubles I want on my team yeah. not to mention the defense def- the defensive stat you get from Draymond Green oh, yeah. he alone in a week could him and LeBron combined can win you any category in this entire thing so the two of them and again at small forward and at power forward those are two players again i don't want to i don't have my i don't have my spreadsheet with me but if you go through the numbers those are two of the positions that there's not as many good players to pick after that pick so if you're Mm going to go uh that way and again i had a great pick sleeper pick for my point guard anyways but for me that's why i went with draymond green Going into the uh, Tio Doshik. Tio Doshik. Some Pete Maravich fucking Love those assists, baby. So going to round three. Before uh, I name the 32nd round three selection, just to give you the two guys drafted after him, we're talking Bradley Beal and Clay Thompson. So with the 32nd pick, Christian Graffin drafted Toronto Raptors' very own DeMar DeRozan. Mm. I think DeMar's going to have a big year, man, and and, and he's going to improve on the stats. Look at those assists. assists. I don't care if he drops from 27 or 28 points per game to 26 or 25 and a half. I don't don't even know if his scoring is going to go down. It might go up. I I think it'll stay around the same. I think it'll be 27, and I think his assists are going to be around above five. Mm -hmm. He'll have above five rebounds. And I think the one thing we're going to see this year is, I hope at least, is, is, no, some defensive, like some actual good defense. Defense from I uh, don't hold your breath. Back. I know, I know. I'm hoping that's what he's been working on. I mean, a three or two would be nice as well. But yeah, of course, it's a Homer podcast. It's a Homer show. I, I have to go with Demar. There you All go. Right, speeding it up, going to round four, 41st pick. The Jesus Shuttleworths drafted before guys like Devin Booker, Carmelo Anthony, and DeAndre Jordan. We selected from the Philadelphia 76ers, Mr. Ben Simmons himself. Woo! What do you mm. think about the selection, picking Ben Simmons over? Proven talents like Devin Booker, Carmelo Anthony, uh, even Drew Holiday. Uh, no, not Drew Holiday. I don't know why he was selected. Drew for Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but no, but he's gonna. What team is he on now? Uh, he's, New he's playing Pelicans. in the backcourt with Rojan Rondo. For but the he's good. But, but he'll get. You know what? That's not a bad pick. He's a shooting guard. He's not playing. No, one but this year. but without Rondo there now, especially because he's injured to start the season. 
I see him actually get getting some stats. No, but uh, I think it's Ben a great Simmons pick. is averaging a triple double this year. Ben Simmons, no, <laughs> I, I, I think it's a good pick. Again, he's gonna mind you though. In the modern three point shooting NBA, looks like you've given up threes because none of your three key guys. You just shoot the three. You just wait. Four key guys. You just wait. You just okay. wait. Okay, going into round number five, fifty-six pick overall. We drafted the rookie himself, Dennis Smith Jr. from North Carolina State, currently playing for Dallas Mavericks in the fifth round, over the likes of guys like Alfred Payton, Ricky Rubio, Victor Oladipo, as over well Rubio. as your favorite basketball player of all time, Dwight Howard. What are your thoughts on the selection? Are you reaching? <laughs> do you think he reached a little high for Dennis Smith yeah. Jr. or this is a sound decision? I think. Be, I think. Now there's no three point. There's no way that your team can win threes. Sometimes you're gonna punt categories. I agree. If that was the, ga- the, yeah, the game plan, but I know I think he's smart because that guy's gonna put up big numbers. He's gonna get a lot of playing time. Yeah. Who else gonna is gonna score numbers. there other than Harrison Barnes? Right? Like yeah. No, again, gonna... he, if you look at his preseason stats and what he's been doing, what he's capable of, I think every other NBA player voted that he's gonna be the most exciting or rookie of the They're year or something play like him that. Like Forty. Honestly, if you if you if you think if he can get the same minutes or do the same things he's doing in the preseason, this is a guy who might be able to average above twenty points per game and above you know above five assists and at least three or four rebounds. He's going to put together a Damon plus all the steals as well. Put together Damon Stoudemire type rookie season. I'm most excited about this though. Even with the inclusion of Ben Simmons in the rookie of the year conversation. I still go with Dennis Smith Jr., especially in a situation where he's in, in Dallas as my personal favorite to win Rookie of the Year. Just the situation he's in where he can kind of uh, freewheel offensively. Um, you know, they're, they're not going to make the playoffs. I don't think Rick Carl's that big of an idiot. He's not casting any absurd aspersions about this season. He's going to use this season as an opportunity to develop and grow Dennis Smith Jr., and I like that pick. I'm I just so happy I have both of them on my fantasy team. And I also like this last pick. We're not going to go into the bench because I feel like the Listeners are probably going to right. smash their phones on a brick wall right now if they are listening to this. But Eric Gordon is who's All on there, seven and that's why. But no, so the last pick to round out the starting five, we're talking what Dennis Smith Jr., Demar Derozan, LeBron James, Draymond Green, and our center on one of the most exciting teams this upcoming season is the man himself, Mr. Clint Compella from the Houston Rockets. Oh, good pick. That's a good pick. He's going to get so many lobs. I know. I mean, honestly, with Chris Paul being there, it's great. He, I had him on my fantasy team last year. He gets the rebounds, too. He's going to no, get more he's minutes. He's going to such high percentage. Well, last year he was averaging about, I'd say, like 25 minutes a game. And this year, if it goes up to 30, yeah. uh, this guy's going to – obviously, he's going to get a double-double every single game. When did you game. take him? But he uh, – yeah, fifth, um, fifth so round. So, 65th. Yeah. After him was guys like Andre Drummond, Nikolai Vucevic, Harrison Barnes, Vucevic. and Tobias Harris. Vucevic is very underrated. Harrison in Barnes can't play defense for shit, but probably Harrison good Barnes. I didn't need a center. I didn't need a center at this point. And again, our fantasy team—you can see the full roster on our Twitter page. But the fantasy team, we only have one of each position. That's not two of each. Yeah. So there's one point guard, yeah. one shooting guard. So the roster's not very deep. It's actually okay. the, the draft itself took about an hour and a half, maybe. Okay. Right. So for any of our listeners out there, uh, because we're pretty well, maybe Graffin feels a little more confident with his uh, fantasy basketball knowledge. If anyone out there has any questions regarding fantasy basketball, feel free to shoot us a tweet at our Twitter handle at. Toronto Sport Matters on Twitter. Um, Graffin will respond back to your fantasy basketball questions. Because he has nothing to do at work. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I am free all day. All right, guys. With that, thank you very, very much for listening. Uh, we are going to be continually doing this podcast every week. Um, Thursday is going to be the day of the podcast. I want to thank you guys very much for listening. Um, also, Graffin's got some information he wants to pull out there with a company called The Grueling Truth. No, Grueling Truth, uh, again, we're going to be, yeah, no, we're just going to be featured. We're going to throw this uh, this podcast on their website as well, and it's GruelingTruth.com. I'm we're also sure. in the works of getting truth. our yeah. RSS feed bullshit together. Hopefully we'll be on uh, Stitcher, Spotify, as well as iTunes within the next month or so. Uh, but again, guys, you can reach us on SoundCloud. We'll have a website eventually finished relatively soon. I'm sort of meandering right now. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Have a fantastic evening. Go, Raps, go. Peace out, T-Dot. Baby, woo.